And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I react to the reported details of James Harden's new contract with the Sixers, our main takeaways from that, how we expect it to play out, and where that leaves the Sixers positioned, both for the rest of the summer and for next season. We also then dive into a brief discussion about the Sixers' summer league play to date, mostly focusing on Paul Reed, Jaden Springer, and Isaiah Joe. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How are you doing, Rich? Good to see both of us made it out of Vegas alive. Derek, I'm doing fine. Cat looks like it has missed you over these past couple of days. It was, uh, look, I was telling you when we were out there, some of the days in the past when, some of the times in the past when we were out there for five or six days, or at least I was out there for five or six days, that's too much. That's too much Las yeah. Vegas. That's yep. specifically, it's too much Las Vegas summer league. And so this time I did it in about three and a half days and it was, uh, it's a pretty good trip. Honestly, I think I'm, uh, starting to grow up as a journalist now. I'm starting to understand how to maximize your time and caught a couple of terrible Sixers games <laughs> while I was there. I did not. I did not. I watched, I think when I was, so I was there for three nights. And I think I watched a grand total of about two quarters of basketball. And those two quarters were not Sixers games. The one thing you talk about growing up as a journalist, you realize very quickly that going out there is you don't go out there for basketball. And you might write about a prospect. I don't even write about games. You might write about a prospect to an interview. You are there for networking. Like that is legitimately like everyone from coaches to executives to players to broadcasters, agents, everybody is all in one spot. So it is good for that. The basketball is not good, but we will spend a little bit of time talking about what happens on the basketball court because there is things that can translate. It's just when you're there, the priority is very much running into as many people as you can. So the one difference, though, and that's from the media side, I will say, man, there are a ton of sickos that are very in to the basketball product. And I mean, if you really, really like basketball, I would I'd recommend it. Just go for a couple of days. I. So I walked out of the Sixers first game and it was the other nice thing was the Sixers played on Friday or on Saturday and Sunday yeah. in Vegas. And it was at 12 o'clock or 1230 local time, both times, which was awesome. I went to the game, talked to a few people there, but then I was out of the arena pretty early in the day, which is awesome. And you don't have to, uh, when it's later in the day too, there's a backlog because these games take longer than two hours. A lot of the time. So it was nice. I was on time. I walked into the, the Sixers were playing in Cox Pavilion, the smaller one. Yep. And then I walked into Thomas and Mack Center where the uh, I think it was King's Magic. And it was like it was Paolo Boncaro and Keegan Murray going to play each other. The whole bottom bowl of Thomas and Mack Center was completely filled. I mean, and people were going insane for this overtime summer league game. So 
as as bad as the Sixers games may have been, by the way, the Sixers played there at the same time the next day. Not quite as many people for for that show. Uh, not coming out to see Jaden Springer. Yeah, it just I don't know, man. It was remarkable, and I will say, like, it, it's a little goofy to me that people are going crazy to that level, but I also think it's pretty awesome too. So, uh, oh no, look, my my carmogeny take on this isn't really carmogeny. Um, you know, if you are a fan, especially if you're a fan of you know like the Orlando Magic or the Sixers from a couple of years ago, yeah, uh, exactly. I understand. Like, this is an incredibly important event. I understand why you would be excited by it, even if maybe the it's not the purest form of basketball we've ever seen like if you are a draft nut or if you're a fan of young players like i said even if Jaden springer or isaiah joe popping isn't going to have the same impact that it would have had you know when markel fultz was playing in it it's still a significant event and watching young players develop and grow is a big part of fandom it's a big part of team building i understand all of that i'm not debating any of that um and if you are excited by that i 100 percent get it my perspective is for you and i you know, we have a, there are, this is a, a very unique time of the calendar where you have everyone in the NBA in one place. I can go watch those games anywhere. What I can't do is go meet up with all of these people. And the more that you've sort of gotten into covering this league professionally, the more you realize how unique of an opportunity it is. So I, I it might come across as carmogeny. I don't really mean it to. It's just that when we're in Vegas, you know, we have other priorities outside of basketball. And especially now that I'm paying my own, you know, I'm going out there on my own dime. I'm not paying all of that money to fly out to Vegas, um, stay up in Vegas to, you know, watch Jaden Springer dribble off his foot. Like I'm going there to network during that unique time of the year. So, yep. So it was a, uh, it was good weekend. I would say nice long weekend, but I am happy. I am out of there. It's a, it's pretty hot there. If you, oh my uh, God. If you didn't realize it is. Uh, and I'm so like you, you land, you look at the weather forecast and it's like 10 straight days of one Oh seven and sunny, like not a cloud in the sky, nothing below a hundred degrees. Any of those days, a couple days in the one elevens. I don't care about the dry heat. It's still 107 I, degrees out there. <laughs> uh, I am not a fan of super. I, I would love to have a summer league in March. You're kind of restricted when you're talking about the summer league it's not going to happen in march in part because there's a season going on but it would be great if the schedule didn't align where we are out there at the hottest time of the year but it is what it is all right let's uh let's get into the other sixers business of the week so the 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 big news what would it come out friday i think friday it officially came out that james harden would sign that one plus one contract starting off we don't have the official numbers yet but it was a 15 million dollar reported as a 15 million dollar pay cut off of the 47.4 million dollar contract that he could have opted into that would put him if the 15 million is exact at 32.4 million this year with a player option of just under 35 million for next season. This is something that Sham Sharania, who reported the news, uh, he had been talking about pretty much from the moment that Harden opted out. He was on stadium. I remember talking about a deal that would get Harden back into the marketplace the following summer. So this is not a total surprise. If you would ask me from you know, what is today, the 13th? If you ask me from like three weeks ago, it's a total surprise. But from when Shams came out with that report two weeks ago, this is sort of the conclusion that we were building onto. And I guess the way I would phrase it, it's reported as a, a two-year deal, a one plus one. I don't really look at that next year as an actual thing. Like that, he is very clearly going to opt out of that unless one of two things happen. Either he has a catastrophic injury or he takes a gargantuan step back, playing worse than he'd played this past year. He would have to take a really significant step back for me to see him opting into 
that contract next year. I really look at it a lot more as injury insurance on his part, which has some benefit for him. But I guess, you know, if you're talking about max and people still want to debate whether or not this is a pay cut, the goal for Harden is to play this year and get back into the marketplace next year as a free agent when there's more teams with cap space and when he theoretically has a chance to play better and prove his worth a little more than he did after this last season. If he wanted to do that, if that was his goal, he could have just opted into that $47.4 million contract, been at yes, the exact same spot, but that's really all he gave. He gave up $15 million, not for injury assurance. I don't believe that for a second. He gave up that $15 million for PJ Tucker and Daniel House and have a little bit of room under flexibility. I do think he did the team a solid here. Now, I have my concerns about what that means for next year, but I would have those same concerns if he just opted in that $47.4 million. Um, I do think next year is going to be a marketplace where he has a better chance to get a sizable contract, certainly not a max, but a, a sizable contract. I worry about that. But when we started this whole process off, part of the reason I said I would prefer a three-year deal, because I do have a little bit of concern that, you know, let's say James Harden is playing at a, you know, X BPM, let's say six BPM level last year. He goes up to like maybe an eight BPM, convinces you that he's on the rebound, convinces other Ugh. teams that have cap space that he's on the rebound, gets a contract I'm not comfortable with, and then Father Time catches him back up and he goes back down to the five and slowly deteriorates from. I have a little bit of concern from that, but if you and that's why I prioritize a three year deal. But I don't think getting him to take a fifteen million dollar pay cut and also locking him into a three year deal was realistic. So I think this is a reasonable compromise. Like I said, my second priority outside of that three-year deal coming into this, and we're talking about stuff we talked about six weeks ago, so this isn't revisionist. My second priority is that one-year deal, and this is the best version of a one-year deal we could hope for, I think. I think is a way I would sort of summarize where we're at. BPM? You didn't tell me there'd be math. No, <laughs> just that kind of production ebb and flow is what I'm concerned about. No, I, I like BPM. That's, uh, that's Ben Taylor, right? That's who who does it? Sure. Whatever. He does it on a lot of his videos, which are, are very good. On uh, on thinking basketball, so yeah, I agree with you. I think the the way to view this is it is unquestionably good for this year. Like you said, if he wanted to make the most money possible, he could have ran this exact same playbook plus fifteen million dollars. He really he really could have. And you know this idea that he's in better shape and he's training. Um, you know we'll see we'll see. I, I would hope he would be motivated after last year. But again, that's. It's like the Ben Simmons thing for all of these years. We will believe it when we see it. It's not even a matter of skepticism for me, even though I, I do have a little bit. It's more just that's something we will judge in October and November yeah. when we actually see him playing uh, NBA basketball. So he absolutely did them a solid. So yeah, the, the way I would view it is this year, unquestionably good, great, long-term TBD. TBD. And so... I think it also raises the stakes a little bit this year where if you win a championship and you got to give them that long but, uh, deal, all right, yep. you could deal with that, right? You could deal with that. Flags fly forever. And especially for this franchise, I mean, it would be, you know, it would be like Michael Rubin's white party, but with 2 million people, you know, it would be, be all of those things going on. So yeah, I, look, I think it's pretty clear, though, that's what his playbook is. You know, I, I've heard... If they heard, win a championship, will you get an all-white outfit and, and dance? Can we get no. that on video? No. No. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a serious journalist. Man. I, <laughs> yeah. I can't... I'm sure that's the reason you would decline that. 
look, I'll either wear an all white outfit or I'll dance, but I won't do both. No. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I mean, I get, we will see what it means moving forward, but it's very clear that his goal is play awesome this year. If, if he's like a third team all NBA level guard, if he's, you know, if he's that type of player, if he, let's say he is the, like the Brooklyn version that Brooklyn got right away. Yeah. Uh, that then he would be worth he'd probably be worthy of a max contract. I mean, not, not worthy, he would get a max contract because of all of the suitors and kind of the lack of talent around the league. Somebody's going to pay for him. Uh, and that seems to be the goal. But on the other hand, it, it's a weird thing for the Sixers where, yeah, it's scary to pay him because he plays better, but you also want him to play yeah. better because yep. you're trying to win a championship and you need that level of player. Uh, back this season so yeah it's uh like again we were waiting to see the details to come out on this and look they, they still haven't come out i uh i think you were you were pretty prescient when you said hey uh, this might take a little while and it's not because james harden isn't coming back as you see he's uh he's working out with sam cassell and tyrese maxi uh that's a pretty weird thing for a free agent to be doing yeah. but uh, I, I don't exactly think he's going to be a a free agent uh, when the, uh, I mean, this is going to get done at some point. It is weird. So, yeah. Like we're a, we're a week out of free agency. Like not only like deals being able to be signed, we're a week past that. Um, and it feels like the NBA is a little bit on hold right now because of a, you know, Kevin Durant and all that, but the off season has been thrown into a little bit of, it's, it's been a weird off season. It feels like it's more of an issue for us where like I want to write my uh, what's the Sixers rotation going to look sure. like next week. Year, but I can't do that until this contract gets. Well, signed. I don't know if I, I can go on my camping trip next week, and I don't need that contract coming out when I'm in the middle of a camping trip. Come well, on, Daryl, yeah, and, and I'm going to the. You know, I'll be at the beach, you know. So it, it'll be. Yeah, it's going to be so good to have a full August off, you know, or a full August with normal, yeah, not normal a lot of NBA season. stuff yeah. going on. Yeah, uh, we'll not have the full month off, but I'll have a couple weeks off. It'll be nice. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. You know, you, you said the KD thing, whatever is holding this up. Like, we know Daryl Morey is not worried about dragging this thing out as long as possible, especially because this is fake dragging it out. Like, they already have James Harden signed. This isn't even Benson. Yeah. This is this is just the timing of the press conference and the press release. That This doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, I guess we will see what happens. But, yeah, it's, it's clear that Harden is looking for that... Uh, looking for that bag next off season. And I think like you wrote, was there a wink, wink agreement? Yeah. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. I, don't I think know. the only way we'll know that for sure is if he sucks and then he still yeah. gets the, yeah. the massive contract. Um, but look, I, I think like if you're just looking at this here, this was the best possible scenario because like you said, like we said on the last pod, you get PJ Tucker, you get Daniel house, Maybe you get Eric Gordon, although that's not uh, it's not going to be because Harden signed. It's going to be because of another maneuver, uh, and we're going to run back Houston twenty eighteen again. So uh, yeah, so so that's my, those are my general thoughts on it. It's I, I agree, it could be scary long term if he has a a good season. It's uh, they're not out of the wilderness, I would say. No, but again, the fact that we were comfortable giving him a you know the one year option was okay in part because that would give him all the motivation in the world, in part because you avoided a long-term commitment a little longer until you could see 
what his physical condition, how much of that is related to the hamstring, how much of that is related to physical decline. Uh, we get another season where we can get all, more, all that more data. You get that at a very steep discount. I mean, like $15 million, that's, that's, that's a third of his, his option that he just willingly gave away. That is undeniably a good move that helped them get significantly better on the court this year. And I, I think meaningfully better on the court this year. That's all a massive win. You know, well, it feels so stupid. And even as I'm saying it right now, it feels so stupid to be worried about what might happen next year if he plays well. That's sort of how my mind works, uh, especially when you're talking about a team building perspective. But there is, um, you know, they have, they, he gave them a massive amount of flexibility and I give him credit for that. I give him a yep. lot of credit for that. I, uh, I got but, a kick out of Shams breaking that, by the way, because we were in athletic, like full NBA staff meetings, you know, in this big conference room. And I saw him, he was sitting in there for, for a little while. And then I looked down at my phone and he breaks it. He clearly, he told me afterwards, he went outside, he made a couple calls, you know, made a couple texts. So you never, you never know when that news is going to break, but, uh, it, I got a kick out of that. Cause I was like, he was sitting right down the road from me. It's, uh, yeah, he's been, uh, He's been reporting that for a few weeks, like you said. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was at, um, I was at, uh, it was at the um, concourse on the Thomas Mack Center, and he was ordering food uh, from a vendor, and the vendor knew who he was, and it was like this like teenage kid who was like, like starstruck, and Shams is like holding a conversation while texting on his phone, and I'm like, hey kid, let him go so we can go break some news, and the kid like felt guilty for a second, uh, and then I don't know if he actually broke any news, but he was like a star walking around that concourse. It was fun. While he was, was ordering fun. chicken fingers. At, yeah, at I don't remember what it was, but it was, yeah. It um, just, that's, that's the good thing about Thomas and Mac. You see all these NBA execs, they're all eating Dairy Queen. I didn't even know where that was, <laughs> but there's clearly a Dairy Queen in there because people have blizzards and, and all other things. So it's a, uh, yeah, you're right though. With like the networking and things, it's just pe people kind of let their hair down for yeah. that uh, yeah. summer league. Most of the business is done. Obviously, the Harden thing is not completely done, and like you said, there could be some trade negotiations done. But ninety-seven percent of the business is done, so you know it's it's a good time. All right, so I guess we will transition a little bit here to stuff that actually happened on the court. Some of which happened in Vegas, others in Utah. Neither of us were at Utah. Um, you actually did watch a couple games in Vegas in person. I did not because I was too busy eating pizza and getting drunk at bars. <laughs> Look, it was it was a work drinking expedition. By the uh, way, I I said that the games were at twelve o'clock, so he was he was at noon. He was yeah, yeah. he was getting after it. He's putting the no, no. shift in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wait wait real real quick. Can I say one one other thing? The the video Harden showed on his TikTok of Sam Cassell and him arguing. Me and you, we watch him and Embiid argue with Sam Cassell at all times about things. But finally, like Harden had a camera. You know, his, I guess it was his friend filming. It was unbelievable where Cassell was trying to get him to do some like mid-range shooting game and Harden didn't understand the rules. <laughs> and and Cassell is calling him an MFer and Harden is calling him just old and what he, what did this drill is stupid. It was uh it was fantastic. I just wanted to to shout that out. That was some of the best. But Tyrese Maxey was also there. Yep. Young, kind of sweet, you know, uh impressionable Tyrese Maxey. And he was just laughing very hard at the, I guess it's the two people who probably yelled at him the most on the team bickering with each other. So, yeah, no, I think that relationship between Harden and Cassell is, uh, is pretty strong. I think you've got to have a pretty strong relationship, be able to call him an MF or like Cassell did multiple times. <laughs> so going back to the summer league, 
I guess we don't want to talk go completely in depth in part because they're still playing games. So we'll just start off and first off with Paul Reed since he's done playing. He only played in Utah, and then a little bit on two other players, young players who might actually factor into the team's rotation. So let's start off with Paul Reed. What was your sort of like impressions on what he showed uh, during his brief summer league stint? That he's too good for summer league, and it's I, I mentioned this. Paul Reed is too good for summer league, but I also can't picture him not playing in the summer league and putting up these massive numbers. And he, he did graduate in between Utah and, and Vegas. That's what I mean. The sickos in Vegas didn't even get the CV ball. Paul put up 30 points and 15 rebounds. He, uh, he was still there though. And he was sitting, uh, he was sitting with the Sixers assistant coaches and they had a bunch of people there for one of the games. He seems like he is still with the team at this point. Um, I, again, it's I, I don't really learn a lot from B-Ball no. Paul in these summer league settings where I believe AU Andrew Unterberger, he had a very good tweet where it's in one of those Utah games, it was basically Paul Reed doing the Charles Smith play from the, I guess it was like the 94 Eastern Conference semis or, or finals against the Bulls where he just continually keeps missing layups and getting the rebound. Yeah. But the only difference is Charles Smith didn't score at the end. Paul Reed does eventually score in summer league. So, you know, he'll take four shots. He'll get three rebounds and he'll score. (laughs) He, uh, I've said this for a long time, though. Summer League, G League, Paul Reed is going to put up just insane numbers in that. And I was more curious if he could play a role in a rotation. So, you know, what was more interesting to me. The first round series against the Toronto Raptors, the second round series against the Heat, although he was put in some bad spots in that series. And he passed the test in, in that. So I'm. I'm kind of waiting for the regular season. Assuming Paul Reed gets the job, I wrote a little bit, you know, Bassey could potentially push him for that job. We we will see how he does. Uh, I would make Paul Reed the favorite at this point, though, just because, look, he he played in the playoffs last year and he was pretty good. Uh, That was more important than the the summer league to me. And I think the Sixers realized that and said, you know what? We're we're tired of watching you play against these guys. Yeah, I thought summer league on the one hand is built for Paul Reed to have success. You know, when you are bigger and more athletic and you hustle and you're, but what is Paul Reed at this point? 25. And when you're older, you are going to like that. You are going to be able to shine in that environment. On the other hand, it can also sort of like pull out some bad habits. And I do think we saw a little bit too many pull up 20 footers from Paul Reed with 10 seconds left on a shot clock. Like there was one where he tried to throw a, you know, there was a player, I forget who it was making a backdoor cut. He tried to throw just an awful pass got deflected back out to him. He got the ball, pull up 20 footer contested 10 seconds left on the clock. And it was just like, that's what you don't want to see from Paul Reed in a nutshell. That being, and I think, I think, you know, summer leagues tend to, he tries to do a little too much than you want him doing, but. And and let's, let's add to like the Sixers guards were bad. So he has to do a lot. Sure. You're right. But it's not, if you're looking at for him to say, I'm comfortable in him filling a role at the NBA level, summer league is not the place for him to play like that. Because he's got to use bad habits. <laughs> I agree with you that the fact that he did show that he can play a confined role in the playoffs make me like I'm not going to evaluate this like I would have if he wasn't given that opportunity because we have more meaningful data to take from that. So I don't think it was necessarily a great Paul. You know, he ended up averaging 17 and 11 with two and a half steals per game, four and a half turnovers per game as well, four offensive rebounds. He put up good numbers. I'm not going to take too much either way. I don't think we see Paul Reed as a different player than we did coming into this, but I'm also not going to look at him and, and see some of the mistakes or the over aggressiveness or the decision-making that would otherwise concern me because he did 
show what he did in the playoffs. He, uh, because you weren't there, you didn't see he was sitting courtside. It was the Nets game where Ben Simmons was sitting on the other side. There was a big scorer's table separating him and Daryl Morey. But Paul Reed was the only player still there for the Sixers. Maxi and Niang and Thibel were there the day before. But but Paul Reed was sitting there and he was it seemed like he was with his girlfriend and he had a he had like a like an animal print type of shirt, kind of like a leopard leopard kind of shirt. And the, the funniest thing I saw was Dan Burke, the Sixers kind of old, kind of crusty assistant coach, like defensive coordinator type guy went over to him and just, you know, he grabbed that shirt and was complimenting it like, Oh baby, look at this. So uh, yeah, he's, he's seems like a firmly entrenched uh, member of, if not the rotation of the possible players, who can play, but yeah, it's like you said, you don't want to see him going completely crazy because part of the reason he puts up these huge numbers in the G league is because he has the freedom to do crazy yeah. shit. And uh, yeah, in the regular season, you want him. I, I think that the good news is, and this is something good about doc. I would say it, it made it more infuriating with, with the whole Deandre Jordan bit, but doc is pretty, adamant with his centers like people are like what do you think about paul reed's fouls like the the four fouls in 12 minutes or whatever and doc literally says, i i don't care i just want him to play yeah. hard so at least on the defensive end you know the 14 minutes a game that paul reed would need to play as a backup center i think he's going to be okay playing that aggressive style and i think the sixers are okay with him playing that aggressive style as long as you know for every foul you get get a steal get a block and i, I think he's capable no, I agree. I agree. All right, moving on to Isaiah Joe. He fu- he averaged uh, 19 points and shot 44% from three in Utah. Followed that up by, so far, uh, averaging 14 points and shooting 73% from three in Vegas. You know, <laughs> Isaiah Joe is always going to convince me in the offseason, every year. Like, the guy clearly has an NBA shot. Range doesn't bother him. Movement doesn't bother him. He can shoot off the dribble. He can come off of a screen. He can shoot from 27 feet. We know all that. Can he do it against NBA level size and speed and closeouts? And does he have anything else left in his bag that he can do inside of the arc against NBA strength? Um, That's very much in question. So I don't think there's necessarily anything he can do at this level that would convince me. Look, and the Sixers right now, I think they have 16 players to NBA contracts right now. So somebody has to go. I think Isaiah Joe should be given a shot. I think he has enough shooting diversity and gravity that I I just don't want to give up on him quite yet. But also by the same token, there's really nothing he can do right now that would make me feel more convinced. No, and I think at this time last year, I was more impressed with, I thought Isaiah Joe in last season's summer league showed some passing, showed some defense. I, I have gotten past the point where I care about that shit anymore. That dude needs to just be a knockdown shooter, and that's what I care about. How good does the shooting look? How diverse are the are the shots you're taking? And that's basically it. Like, how many can you get up? All, all of those things. It's been a success in that regard. I, I think yeah. especially the off-the-dribble kind of quick. You know, He's showing the ability in delayed transition to, to pull up if they go under the screen or they, they screw up the coverage. And then the, the real... And this is a staple of NBA offense now where, you know, teams are playing five out. Their center is at the top of the key. And, you know, the other four guys are essentially in the corners. 
the the wide pin down screen where that center goes to screen for the other guy up top, catch at the top of the key. I think Isaiah Joe has made like six or seven threes in yep. Vegas off that action. And that's something everybody does in delayed transition because it's really hard to guard. It's, it's very difficult if you have the level of shooter. So that's been uh that's been impressive. I I, I still think, you know, we, we talk about his body every year, yeah. the lack of strength. He got, I mean, he got hurt the other day. You know, he's got like a, I think it was a left. I forget what shoulder it was. It was your left or right shoulder. Um, obviously because there's no center shoulder. There's no other shoulders <laughs> that could get hurt, but the Sixers, the Sixers messaging was a little screwed up on that. I think they, I, no again, it's, it, it's a, uh, it's summer league. So it, it was an injury that I think, you know, he, if it was a playoff game, he, he could have still kept playing, but that happened when he was driving to the rim and he got, basically thrown around like a rag yeah. doll when he got into the paint. And it just, he had one, it just, he, he had one backdoor cut where he got met at the rim and just swallowed up. And you're like, Oh, well, that's why you never see him cutting. Yeah. Um, and yeah. He, he had some okay cuts. I thought Bassie and him had a decent rapport on that, but yeah, once he gets the ball, I mean, he's got to really time up a backdoor cut where nobody's yeah. near him because I just think inside the arc, he's pretty useless. You know, he yep. just, I, we said this last year when it came to everybody got mad about cork. Cork is like LeBron James inside the arc compared to he really is like, it just, it's a different level of ball handling. Cork is somehow stronger than Isaiah Joe. He's a better finisher. All of those things. It's a uh, look, Isaiah Joe needs to shoot 40 plus percent on a very, on a very high volume. And then he can get in an NBA rotation. I, I don't think his defense is that bad. I don't think, you know, I, I think he can keep the ball moving all of those things, but that needs to be his great NBA skill. And in Vegas, he has shown it. He needs to actually start making them in real games now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, and I mean, to your point, like, I think one of the big differences between Cork and Isaiah Joe, uh, especially inside the arc, what does Cork have on him? Four inches or so? And pretty yeah. pretty decent length. Like, I think that matters even, and Cork is more developed physically, which is amazing to say. Um, <laughs> he's stronger. Yeah. He's definitely stronger and taller, and I think that helps him inside the arc. I do think Isaiah Joe has comparable, like, skill level off the dribble. Like, he can get to his pull-up jumper. Uh, I don't question uh. that. I think he's got it's better. Just, yeah, I, I think once you so get into small. the paint, I think he's the so ball small. handling is. But I think the ball handling is worse once you get into the paint. Might like, be. I, I it would, might be. It's, I would it's trust, not either of those strengths for sure. I would trust Cork making two to like after you get past dribble one and a half. You know, I, I would trust Cork a little more. I just think he showed a little bit more of that last year. But yeah. uh, it's okay. We're we're arguing over Cork and Isaiah Joe's ball handling. It's not gonna. Um, it's not going to be the make or, make or break for an no, NBA he, title. He, well, and he, to your point, he has to make shots. And I went back this morning and I watched, you know, he, he we're talking about pretty small sample size with Isaiah Joe still. He shot 135 attempts last year from three. I went back and I watched pretty much every one of them this morning. Basically, I want to see, like, is it something where just the size and the speed, like, he can't navigate? I don't really think that's what happened with him last year. Like, he had open looks. He had time to get his shot off. He had space. He needs to make not 33%. He needs to make 40% to be in an NBA rotation. I'd love to see what happens if he can't. And look, I don't think he's going to get minutes. Like they have too much guard depth right now and wing depth. I'd love to see him come out on fire to start a regular season and see then what of his deficiencies we can live with. We haven't really seen that happen. I don't think he's going to get too much opportunity this year, but I do think that shot is eventually going to be legit. And then I'd love to see what the rest of the game looks like. Again, not that it's going to magically make him a bigger player um but at least you can see what it looks like when he's on fire i think i am lower on isaiah joe than the fan base i feel like every time i tweet out something when he does something well i think i see it on other social media platforms oh my god doc can't give this guy minutes and again i think he's a pretty limited player who needs to shoot it really well but uh look he has a chance i, I think what you said is right, though. He's definitely out of the rotation to start the year. He just yeah. he just is. Like, he's going to have to really work his way in there. But it, it would be nice if they had a 40% three-point shooter who was their 11th or 12th man at uh, at some point in the season. And I, 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 I feel like we spent the second half of last season talking about this. I believe in the shot. I believe in the yeah. adversity. I believe in him coming off screens. I believe in him dribbling off of a pick. I believe catch and shoot. I believe, you know, pump fake reposition. I believe in all that. But... You've just got to see it. You've just got to see it. Well, and here's the thing, too, because I think you're right. I don't think his attempts last season were were that tough. Like, I, no. I just think it was he had open looks. The shot looks good. Looks good coming off his hand, and it goes in and out every single time. So what do I make of that? Yeah, it's, fu it's funny we're talking about diversity. I, I don't really even think they need that much diversity, though. Like, he's going to play with James Harden and Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. C can you just make the open ones? Yeah. You wish he was a guy... You almost wish he was like a Capono type guy where he'd make the wide open ones who were at, at a 50% clip. Obviously shoot a little bit more. He was protecting his field goal percentage back then. But uh, yeah, I don't know. 
it's uh he's he's still a little bit of an intriguing player, but I definitely think this is a make or break year for him in yeah, Philly. At least. No, it is. It is. I, 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 if I had to guess, I think ultimately he ends up not working out in Philly, going somewhere else, probably show, show some flashes, never like starter material or anything. Show some flashes, probably sticks because I do believe in that shot. I'm just not sure he's going to get that opportunity here. Um, and quite frankly, when he did have that opportunity last year, he didn't make the most of it. So I don't feel too bad for him, even if I'd like to see them hold on to him because I, like I said, I believe in that shot to a pretty significant degree, which I better because there's not much else else to hang your head on. All right. Speaking of out of the rotation, we will end <laughs> this one with Jaden Springer, the Sixers 19 year old 28th pick in the 2021 draft. Yeah. So we will have a more detailed breakdown. I, I have not rewatched any of these games. The, the beauty of synergy, by the way, is they do have summer league and I can just pull up all of his possessions. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it gang. I'm not very impressed right now. It's, uh, you know, I didn't really know a lot about Jane Springer coming into last season. I know where the Sixers picked him. Obviously, he was like the 27th, 28th pick, something like that. It's towards the the back end of the first round. I think a lot of people thought it was a decent gamble on a super young guy. Uh, and, and I keep hearing about how young he is, and I understand. I understand that. Here is my issue. The defense is pretty good, but it's not game-changing. It's not. It's he is a six four, six three type of guy. He can get around a screen. He can be a I'm trying to how would I describe this? A, a pugnacious guard defender. Like he, he definitely competes at a decent level there. It unfortunately is not good enough to overcome what I view as just a lack of offensive skill at the NBA level. He just his and his the two specific things, his dribbling. <laughs> and his shooting are just not there. Like, like both of them outside of need the dribbling, get... the shooting, the passing and decision maker. Like he's got the foundations of, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. They're not there. And he's also six, three, like again, it, it, he's not at a height where you can be that unskilled and stick in an NBA rotation. So, you know, you see him, he's by the way, he's a very good two foot leaper where yep. he gets up and like, he made that play at the end of the first game where he made a really nice help rotation. And basically I forget who it was on, uh, I guess it was on Memphis. Maybe it was Tillman rolling to the rim and he just completely swallowed up his shot. Very impressive. First off, he can only leap off two feet. He like literally doesn't know how to jump off one foot and that takes him a while to load up. But part of the reason he leaps off two feet, I think is because he's taking off from so far because his handle isn't there. It's it's tight and it's to his body, but it's not creative enough. It just really, really isn't. It's uh and then his jumper, you know, he's hesitant from even quarter three. You know, sometimes he makes them, but it seems like he's more comfortable rising up for contested mid-range jumpers, which he can make sometimes. But guess what? Not at the level no. you need yep. for uh, for the role he's going to play in the NBA. So, um, look, he, he is still really young, but I don't think that's an excuse for in your second year in the NBA, if you're a first-round pick, I'm not saying you need to dominate literally every single summer league game, but you should be putting up some massive numbers and he is falling well, well short. Oh yeah. Uh, It's a, it is a struggle for him. And uh, yeah, I I don't, you know, I know the Sixers were internally kind of talking him up. Um, I don't know how you can't be. I I, I don't know how you can't be at least a little bit down on him after this. It's, it's unfortunate. seems like a nice kid, but you know, we got to call it like we see. I mentioned this to you before the pod. His field goal percentage on half court shots during summer league play so far, 21.9%. And since he doesn't take very many threes, 
his effective field goal percentage is 23.4%. That's less than half of what you need it to be. Uh, and I, look, small sample size, that was on 49 possessions, which again, the fact that he's only getting 49 possessions in summer league play tells you something about where his skill level is at. But I don't think those numbers are just low sample size noise either. Like that's a lack of skill. Everything from the ball handling to the confidence in the jumper to the creativity to the decision making, he is not there offensively. And it's a shame because I do believe in the defense to a pretty good degree, especially as a point of attack defender. He fights through screens pretty well for a kid of his age. He's strong enough to handle uh, bigger guards. He moves his feet well. Doesn't necessarily have maybe some of the versatility you would want because he is relatively short without a ridiculous wingspan. But he is an NBA-level defender. I have confidence in him developing into that. But unless you're going to be the most switchable player in the world, and even with that, you still need to provide some value offensively, especially when you're talking about the team constructed like the Sixers currently are. And I just don't have... And you're right. He is only 19. I think he's going to be 20 here later on in the summer. I I heard that with Zaire Smith, though, too. And it's... Look, when, when the skill... And by the way, Zaire Smith was having better summer leagues than him, frankly. So. And a better athlete, too. Yeah. Look... Might he figure something out? Yes. Am I confident he's going to figure enough out to the point where he can be an NBA rotation player? I'm not. And he's got, you know, this is his second year coming up, so he's got this one guaranteed. They have a decision to make here by the end of October on his third year option. Wouldn't stun me if they pick up the option just because that's still pretty low value. It's the fourth year where that really gets expensive. It's not a lot of salary. It's like $2 million. Yeah. I I don't know if I can justify giving him, look, do I think he's going to get a roster spot this year? Yes. Teams generally don't cut their first round picks and he has enough youth and defense and athleticism. And, you know, it seems like he's a hard worker where I think they're going to roster him. I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't, but do I have any kind of confidence? No, he just hasn't made any kind of a jump that I can see with my eyes. And he needs to make not just a small jump, a pretty massive jump. And they are, the Sixers are legitimately at the point now where, where after these uh, offseason moves, we're like, roster space is a concern. They're running out of roster spots, and they, you know, you're not going to cut Bassey or Reed because you don't have any real guaranteed backup center. You're, no, they both got to be on the team. There's just not all that many roster spots, and there's more proven players, and quite frankly, players with as much, if not more, upside that you could argue should get that roster spot. Again, I think he's going to be on the roster opening day, I don't have any confidence. I've just lost confidence. We talked about how, you know, about Isaiah Joe's issues and why we're a little bit lower on him than the average player. Isaiah Joe has showed a lot more than Jaden Springer, and he showed a lot more in last year's summer league too, I would say. And he's an archetype where I I probably give him a little more leeway just because of how useful I think that gravity can be around someone like Joel Embiid. And by the way, this is a... It's a smaller version of the Ben Simmons argument where Ben Simmons, it's, you know, is he an all NBA player? Jane Springer, it's, is he an NBA rotation player where the people who want to look on the bright side will just say, oh, he, he's an NBA defender. He's a, you know, what he does on the perimeter that does not make up for the offensive shortcomings yeah. at this level. Just like for, for Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons should not be an all NBA player because of the offensive shortcomings. Uh, Jane Springer, if this doesn't get better, we could talk all day and there will be some impressive highlights of, of him moving his feet. Thought he did some good stuff against Brooklyn's uh, Camp Thomas the other day. He was a nice scorer. But he's he's also just not versatile enough to do that. It's Matisse Thibel, too. It's 
at some point, the offense, you, you cannot be what Jaden Springer is on the offensive end. I, I don't want to hear about the defense. It does not matter if you are that limited on the offensive end. And it's it's too bad. Um, so, you know, we'll see. He, he is young. I, I will give him that. But it's just like, is he going to learn how to dribble at age 21? Is that is that going to be the big thing? Because that's that's what we're talking about right now. And if not that, he's really got to be a complete knockdown shooter. And he's pretty far away from that at this point. It just, he just is. You know what he's shooting on jumpers so far in summer league? No, and we talked about this. I, I, I don't care about the stats, but okay, give it to me. Three for 20, though. And they look bad. They're they look like, bad. He's like, he's hesitating on them. Like He catches the ball in the corner, and he kind of half pump fakes and hesitates, and then it's, okay, I'll finally take it. And it's it's not great. It's uh, Look, he does a couple things a game that I think are really impressive athletically. Usually they are in transition, like you said, because the half-court percentage is just not very good. Um, but, you know, I, I've been watching Bassey in the summer league and just been thinking, you know, I actually think he's playing okay. It's just that the Sixers guard play is, unfortunately, it's not very good. Queen has yeah. really kind of just looked for his shot. He hasn't shot it that well. Cassius Winston's probably been their best guard, honestly. Uh, if you don't count Isaiah Joe, just bombing threes. Um, but part of that is Jaden Springer really just doesn't create for others and, you know, the stuff for himself isn't that great either. So I, I don't want to spend too much time on him, but but I, I certainly, I, I think that that he really has a long way to go. He does. He does. And I hope he gets there. Uh, I don't root against any players. Uh, I just don't have confidence that he will get there. And I hope that he proves me wrong over the next year or so if he remains on the team. I think that's probably, again, we're going to do another podcast here on Summer League when Summer League play is all wrapped up. Vegas still has, what, another four days, I think. Uh, which you and I will not be in attendance for. You're going to watch that? You're going to you're going to eat some pizza and watch it at least I mean, on look, TV? I'll, I'll watch it, sure. And that, that's part that goes back to our conversation at the beginning. Like when you're there in Vegas, you have one thing that you can't do anywhere else, which is network with everyone around the league. What you can do when you get back, you can watch those games uh, and probably and watch pizza it better. And drink beer. Uh, eat pizza, drink beer, hit the rewind <laughs> button and watch it a little more usefully. <laughs> just picturing you just like open pizza box on the <laughs> on the table, just <laughs> beer cans all over the place. Just being like, come on, Springer. Uh, look, uh, a little drink that gets through some of those games might be exactly what you need. So I'm not yeah, going to rule that yeah. out. I'm not going to rule it out. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 